This is Steve Colfer, head coach at Cabrini University. You are listening to More Than a Club Podcast. Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome to More Than a Club podcast, season three, episode two. I'm your host, Bill Leahy, along with Coach Marty Cuprian, youth director here at Sports, and we are glad to be back and thrilled to have another amazing show lined up where we're going to cover youth sports, lacrosse, team building, and much more. Today's episode will take a bit of a different course than usual, but we're excited to chat with another lacrosse expert. Chris Goldberg. Chris has been covering lacrosse in the Philly area since 1982, having produced nearly 40,000 lacrosse articles and more than 200 million views through stories on his websites, in newspapers, and across social media posts. Chris has dedicated his life to the lacrosse community and its causes, and we are excited to learn more and share his story here on our show. Welcome, Chris. It's great to be here, Coop and Bill. Thank you for having me. We're grateful you came. So here's the part where we go through all your amazing accolades and how you've attributed to our sport and contributed to our sport. And so I'm going to start with the the big one, at least for me. Being a member of the committee, it was an honor to discuss you and all of your accomplishments in 2019 as the Eastern Pennsylvania chapter of U.S. Lacrosse recognized really your Hall of Fame contributions with the Founders Award. And the Founders Award, for those who aren't familiar, recognizes persons for significant and enduring contributions to the growth and development of lacrosse in Pennsylvania. And we were honored to have selected you and then to have watched you receive your award. So, Well, thank you. It's a, no, it was an honor. And uh, as a writer, you know, I, I never played the game. The only time I ever played it was a little time when I coached middle school girls and we needed an extra person. Sometimes I'd play goalie. <laughs> So it's, I come from a whole different area, so to be able to figure out how to contribute as a writer, um, but to get recognized like that is was really, wow. Yeah, but you, you were also recognized by all of these men and women who were coaches and head coaches of high schools and colleges, and all of us, speaking for myself as well, so grateful for you carrying on our stories, our stories of LaSalle Lacrosse or Radnor Lacrosse or Next and putting that in a place, in a public forum, where people could read. It's not only about our teams, it was also about the journey of Philadelphia lacrosse. Uh, you carried that message online, you carried that message in the community, and that's a big deal. So, on behalf of like the whole Philly area, lacrosse folks, thanks. You are most welcome. Thanks, Chris. We'll keep pouring it on here. <laughs> uh, as Chris is proudly wearing the t-shirt, he launched phillylacrosse.com in January of 2008. The site has produced over 24,000 articles, over 20 million hits, 15,000 social media followers, and over 50 million social media views. In 2008, the PLA awarded him both the Wakefield Award for Women's and Girls Coverage and the General Jack Linehan Award for Men's and Boys Coverage. In 2011, Goldberg was named as Man of the Year for the region by the PLA. Goldberg's company, Lacrosse Media LLC, launched top laxrecruits.com in December of 2011. The site has produced 10,000 articles, over 15 million hits, over 65,000 social media followers, and over 50 million social media views. 
Goldberg also launched sites on Long Island and Baltimore that merged into TopLaxRecruits.com. Chris has dedicated himself to the lacrosse community and all of its wonderful causes. He has given extensive coverage to the Courage Game, Harlem Lacrosse, the Katie Sampson Foundation, the Headstrong Foundation, EvanFest, Checking for Cancer, the Travis Mannion Foundation, the Alzheimer's Play for the A's, Shootout for Soldiers, and many other charitable organizations. What did we miss, Coach? And that, I guess that gets most of them, but there's always new things. Because in our community, people, uh, they want to give. That's what's so great about the Philadelphia lacrosse community. Yeah, well, what I missed was some coaching. Oh, That's coaching. why I called you coach. <laughs> <laughs> Middle school, girls teams in Coatesville. Want to tell us a little bit about that so we can add it to your resume? Yeah. This was, uh, I was a second-year teacher in 1998, Gordon Middle School in Coatesville. If anyone knows the area, Ash Park actually produced Rip Hamilton and some other great basketball players. It's a very tough neighborhood. They wanted to start a lacrosse program at our middle school. Uh, No one would take the job. We had a faculty meeting, and they said they were going to have to drop the program before we even started. Somehow I had gotten a hold of the list of the girls who signed up to play, and um, for some crazy reason, I stuck my hand up in the air and said, I'll do it. And I had never played the sport. And the boy, I never played boys lacrosse, obviously. I never played girls lacrosse. And we were playing, we were going about to be playing Unionville, Westchester's, with no field, no equipment, no <laughs> one that had ever played the sport. In the outfield of the baseball field, I had to go out and, and with a glove to protect my girls from getting hit by balls hit in the outfield. So to say that was uh, kind of a shot in the dark of something that (laughs) it ended up being the greatest experience of my life practically. So um, I'll tell you more about it later. But And I coached at Interboro where I just retired as a teacher for 13 years. So Outstanding. I think you're going to have just uh, bring an awesome new perspective to the show. Um, so we've enjoyed it already and I learned a lot just uh, getting ready for this and as I told Bill as he got here I have always just viewed you as a hustler and trying to really grow the game by getting the word out Um, and I didn't realize you were covering lacrosse before I was born so um, a pleasure to work with but also thanks for being here and so you have your phillylacrosse.com shirt on help us understand how you get into all this how do you roll into coaching outfields with baseball gloves, and then this amazing website that's done so much for all of us. Well, it did. It started in 1982. Uh, I was a junior at the University of Delaware, run a sports editor of the school paper. But before I had ever gone to a lacrosse game, I was hearing about this kind of cult love party atmosphere at the men's lacrosse games. It was... uh, I was like, I got to see this, and you know, and then I got to All cover, true, by the, way. All cover true. the team. A coach by the name, a very young coach at the time, it's hilarious to say that, named Bob Schillinglaw, who's a legend. Uh, we called him Schill. He was, I think, in his fourth year as a head coach at Delaware. Um, as many know, he just retired not too long ago, the longest tenure Division One coach in the history of the NCAA. But he... Um, kind of took me under his wing because he knew I, knew I didn't know anything about lacrosse, covered the team. I went with the team on the bus to Hopkins, Bucknell, everywhere, all all through Maryland and Virginia, University of Virginia, and, and 
got a close up look at, at lacrosse and it was it was great and people just loved it. And we had a women's team, a fantastic women's team at Delaware that nineteen eighty three, their first year in the NCAA, they happened to beat Temple to win the NCAA championship. The whole team was from Philadelphia. Every single girl on the team was either from northern Delaware or Philly. And uh, so I got to cover them as well. So I kind of fell for the sport all the way back then. And that, uh, I guess that created seeds for where I was headed. So that gets you hooked into the sport. What gets you hooked into a website? I was the first nine years of my life, a newspaper reporter, sports writer, and news reporter that uh, covered a lot of girls across because I was in the Lansdale paper and a Pottstown paper. The only boys teams, Wissahickon and Hill School, they were the only ones in, in my coverage area. So I covered one Hill School lacrosse game, I think, in my boys' co- career as a, when I was a daily newspaper writer. Uh, but a lot of girls across. 1986, first World Cup was at Swarthmore. Uh, that was on, on American soil. I covered that. First NCAA Division Three championship game was their Sinus College women at, at Penn. I got to cover that. They lost. That was in 88 or 89 uh, when I was working at the Pottstown Mercury. So I did get to cover a lot of lacrosse and had a lot of experience. But what happened was in 1998, somebody started in the first online high school sports paper that was online it was called school sports started in Massachusetts Boston but then they expanded to Philadelphia and I found out about it uh, called them up and said you're looking for a sports editor uh, I'm a t- at that point I was a teacher I went into teaching in 1994 um, so I got to work at the first online sports high school sports paper and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world because, no, you know, usually it was you write for a newspaper, a paper comes out, people read it then, so they have to, we have to wait 16 hours for it to, to post up. But now you could get it out immediately. So that was in my head. Uh, I can continue. You want to ask another question or you want me to continue? <laughs> I so I, f- I feel like you'll tell us more about phillylacrosse.com yeah. as we go. Yeah. I just wanted I don't to. want to bore everybody. No, this is great. We love getting the background here so that we can tee up the some of the youth sports hot topics and those type of things. Um, and real quick, just wanted to tell our audience kind of how, how we had worked with Chris, uh, like we mentioned, in different ways. Um, for me, as a local coach, uh, following the website, uh, sometimes calling in stats or you, you calling to confirm stats and just hanging up the phone and be like, man, this guy's really working hard, you know, to, to make sure that he's getting the right stuff out. And then also from the next side, uh, promoting college commitments and at some of the events, um, I remember handing you all-star sheets and, um, you know, you being a very important part of the events, covering it and promoting it and promoting those kids that did well and telling the stories. And then for Coach Leahy to kind of introduce, you know, how he knows you and then We'll move on to some some topics for parents, coaches, and players. Yeah, so you were great to LaSalle lacrosse, and it was also great to watch you follow high school lacrosse. You know, and, and for LaSalle, it was publishing stories, keeping stats, keeping me online, dealing with my phone calls about rankings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Which you did an amazing job. We'll talk about that later. It's in my list of questions for you. But, you know, just speaking for me as a head coach, and I, 
like I mentioned earlier, my colleagues, you made a difference in our journey. You made a difference in high school lacrosse in Philadelphia yeah, and you. our players and the stories that we told and the recruiting that we had to do. And, you know, in the end, behind the scenes, you were more significant than maybe maybe anybody told you. So mm. we're really, really super grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. Not a, not a week goes by where I don't tell a parent, go to phillylacrosse.com to go, you know, find some more information about whatever you're asking me. That's the hub of everything in this area. So um, you know, keep doing what you're doing and keep sending them there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're going to move on. We'll talk about some, some kind of quick hitter topics for parents, coaches, and players. Uh, you came prepared with some awesome ideas. So, you know, the first one is, is a word we talk about perspective. Um, you know, how do you think things have changed with media coverage where, uh, you know, many years ago there was no Philly lacrosse and then there there's just Philly lacrosse. And now, um, there's a lot of people that have followed your lead in different directions of content around this game and I think have contributed so much. Um, you know, what are some of the things you think about uh, for the better, for the worse, and anything along those lines? Yeah, well, we talked about it kind of when I started this website um, and I, I saw how important it was for kids to commit uh, to, to the to the community you know that's what people cared about so much i used to be able to as a newspaper reporter or an online newspaper reporter be able to break information and i was telling the story uh, harry sankey i remember in the summer before joey sankey's sophomore year calls me up says i got breaking news for you joey sankey just committed to north carolina he was the first sophomore ever to commit going into a sophomore year to a d1 school um, you know, phenomenal player. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to feel honored to put this up on my website. And everyone's like, oh, my God, did you see on Philly lacrosse? Joey Sankey committed. It blew well, up, now, yeah. Well, now uh, <laughs> I, don't break, I don't break any news. Everything is, is on social media. So kids now have the chance to announce uh, they're going here, they're going there. And, you know, that's a big deal now on Instagram. At first it was Facebook, then it was Twitter, now it's Instagram. <laughs> So that, that changes, though. I don't know how much more we'll have there. But kids now have the chance to express themselves, and parents do too. So really like to see it done in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that does not injure the future in any way of making statements or putting out information that's not going to help them. So that, that's, that would be my advice to parents and, and players, you know, put out. Just enough, you know, if you want to announce something, thank thank people. Even in my commitment stories, I make a big deal about who do you want to thank because there's a lot of people that helped you get there. Yeah. And those early commitment kind of breaking news that you used to have, they were great. And you're right, they were short. There was always a picture, and then the young man was thanking people, thanking their coaches, and then usually had a statement or a purpose of why he chose that school. Yeah. And that wrapped it up. So, you know, like, giving advice to parents who may be doing this on their own or young people doing this on their own now on social media, you stick to the same message, right? Short, sweet, genius, and simplicity. Well, you do see. they. I think they do a pretty good job of thanking their coaches and, and other people and their teammates uh, on social media. So I definitely keep it that way. And remember – a lot of kids are going to change their commitment. Maybe they won't even play that much in college, which is okay, whatever, however it works out. So I think keep it, keep it to thanking the people and, and acknowledging the people that have helped you along the way, and then you can't go wrong. Yeah. Great advice for parents in our parents section. Moving on to coaches, 
Any, any thoughts for coaches trying to promote their program, you know, through you and, or other ways? Because starting a program at LaSalle in 1992, the world was a different place back then. You know, for me, it was win games and we'll be in the newspaper, uh, get word <laughs> of mouth from other families in the local youth leagues. You know, today it's completely different and foreign to me. So get me up to speed here. Oh, for me, I mean, I, every time I can get to a coach or email, you know, the more you promote your kids and give, give their stats to me, you know, their game stats. Um, if somebody's doing something in the area of community service or your team, get that out to me because that, that's the kind of – I'm not going to write a feature story on somebody because they mm -hmm. scored – a lot of goals but if you tell me that your team has cleaned up a park and donated and, and raised money for a great cause then I'm probably gonna write that up because that that's what we're you know we want to make the world better especially with what's going on in the world now it's even more important so I think if coaches can report scores that's great report commitments that's great but report these things in the community that they're doing that's the best advice I always cracked up a little story you don't know. So you would always write those really short kind of um, summaries before the season began. Yeah. LaSalle Lacrosse or Haverford. And, and you started that a long time ago. And then I realized as I was reading it, I was like, Bill Leahy, 16th year. Bill Leahy, 21st year. <laughs> so you, you played a role in my retirement. You know that. Just doing, doing the math. I was like, Bill Leahy, 27 years. 27 what am I doing? Years, yeah. And at 28, my wife was like, how many of these is – Chris Goldberg done for you. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is texting you like, is it really 27? Yeah. <laughs> but they were always really nice summaries. And even as a coach, I would say, yeah, St. Joe's Prep. He lists these guys. That's who I got. <laughs> so you were scouting. Oh, yeah. So you know. Totally. Yeah. You, you've hit it, hit it already. But talking about players and community service, get involved in doing something good and outside of yourself. Um, tell us more about you know, your, your thoughts on community service and some of the ways that you've been able to get involved. Yeah, because I was a teacher uh, and a coach while I was teaching, I, you know, I always stressed to my students. And I was, a, I was a STEM teacher, so that plays into what I taught, that, you know, if you can do something to make the world better, that's going to make your experience as a student athlete because you're doing it in a group. And, and I was lucky that you know, here in Philadelphia, the, the causes it's, there's so many of them. It's been so incredible from Evan Fest to Headstrong um, and, and so many others, you know, Travis Mannion, you know, coach Leahy's every, every year that was a great, great game. I um, didn't get to go to many of them, but I, every year I would talk to that, uh, that hero, what was the name of the award? So the Fallen Hero The game. Fallen Hero, yeah. yeah. It was a special event. So Travis's school, LaSalle, oh, would boy. play DeMatha, where Brendan Looney, Brendan his very Looney. best friend at the Naval Academy, both of them had passed away serving our country. And so we would play in Baltimore at Under Armour Field in honor of both of them. And their families would be there. We'd have a ceremony in the beginning. Often we had the Baltimore police there. And even one year we had the Jets fly over from the Naval oh, Academy. Yeah. That was wild. It gave you the chills. Um, and then both teams would do service in advance and share that service in honor of both fallen heroes. And even after the game, win or lose, we would gather at midfield uh, to pray as Catholic schools, but also to recognize the young man on each team that best represented those two heroes. And then we'd have a, a cookout and spend time together and then you know, make our way back to Philadelphia. But a, a super meaningful event 
uh, with an awesome purpose. A yeah. little side note, I'm going to give the invocation this Sunday at the Travis Mania 9-11 Heroes Run. So oh, I'm awesome. already terrified. I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make them rehearse. Rever- Reverend Bill's all lined up for it, but... That's great, Coach. So Good luck. That, that's fantastic. Uh, and these causes, you know, I see it on TV, and uh, the Travis Mannion Foundation is incredible. Uh, it, when you get involved, no matter what age you are as a coach or player in a cause like this, and you know that you're contributing and you see so many people benefit from it, 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 it just makes playing the game the value raise rise so much and like you you want to win every game you don't win every game it's just not going to happen but this is it's a no lose it's a win-win situation when you do this and i think it makes the experience and you coach you can tell me more of that but uh so i i did i coached middle school soccer as well as lacrosse um and we did do community service and i that it bonded the team better than anything so uh, to me, that's the greatest thing. You know, I, I, it still hurts me when I think of Peter Sampson, you know, in the Sampson um, Festival, Katie Sampson Festival, losing him. Um, but the memory of what he, he did to create this incredible, greatest single-day event anywhere in this country for so many years um, and what that's done. And, oh, boy. Uh, you know, there's so many other incredible events, you know, what goes on in our community. So keep that up in the Philly lacrosse community and get involved. And besides the intrinsic value as a coach in this culture building section for doing that with your team, you know, as a community of, of men or women and then going out and ser- as a team serving someone in need. We would do that every year at LaSalle and it was always a great experience. Not only that we, we served, but that we had to bond and work together to accomplish some task, whether it was ripping a wall down or digging out a, a garden for the nuns down the street. And we'd have laughs and smiles, but to see the difference it made in someone else's life and how grateful they were. You know, and then that spirit carries forward in your team. That it is one of the best tools in culture building while doing good for yourself and for others. That it was always an outstanding activity for LaSalle lacrosse players. And guys who come back say, remember when we, and they can't remember exactly what they did, what, who they did it for, but they always remember what they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a great message to all, the, all of the club people out there. It's like New Year starts and for parents looking for, you know, ways to do something positive and for players as well. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to doing some community service with Next this year, and we kicked off our fall with an equipment drive for new teams with Harlem Lacrosse Philly and donated over 40 helmets, 50 sticks, and we're loading up cars, and it's the best thing that's happened to me in the last couple days. So great message. So moving on to our question and answer section, we'll get to know Chris a little bit better. Really want to talk about the teaching career. Why teach? How'd you get into education? Looking back on all those years, what stands out the most? I was very lucky. Uh, like I said, I was a newspaper reporter for nine years that I, I looked at newspapers and I, I was questioning where they were headed. <laughs> I was somehow lucky enough to be ahead of my time to leave newspapers in 1992. Okay. I mean, you see newspapers now, they're struggling, obviously, just the way media has worked uh, because of the online presence. So uh, having been a sports writer and worked with so many coaches who were teachers so many of them recommended the to go into the field of teaching as it's a great field so much reward and that's what i had said i was looking for 
And I started off actually as a special education major because I had worked with people with disabilities. And uh, I loved that. But when I was, I went to Westchester University uh, full time for two years to get the special ed certification. While I was there, technology just started to boom and I got a graduate assistantship in instructional media and kind of went to the path of technology to actually in helping people with disabilities because I found that uh, all people with disabilities love technology and it's an avenue for them to succeed. So I sure. was a special education teacher for just a couple of years, but then I became a computer teacher and did that for 25 years. I taught overall for 27 years, but um, teaching last year is my last year in the pandemic and then <laughs> retiring was a interesting way to finish out. I had a great year myself, but it was just so difficult for the, for the kids and the staff where I was at a school called Norwood in Interboro. Absolutely loved it. The kids are incredible how they dealt with the pandemic. Um, it was just time for me to move on, but I love being a teacher. I think it's the greatest profession in the world. Uh, you have so much that you can do for young people um, in so many ways. And especially again, because I'm really interested in getting involved in uh, coaching like I'd mentioned when I was at Gordon Middle School in Coatesville for two years, uh, was such a great way to work with kids. And uh, that was always the most exciting part of being a teacher is uh, my the girls on my team would be like, oh, God, so four months to lacrosse, Dr. Go. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to even to get a doctorate, so they call me Dr. G. Uh, in the 2005, I got a special education doctorate with a concentration in technology. Um, and I just wanted to be a better teacher. So they would uh, say, Dr. G, we got three months till the season. So you know, <laughs> the excitement of coaching Contagious. got you through the tough times when you were a teacher. And, um, and just uh, seeing kids grow. It's the same reason why people coach lacrosse, I, th I would say, Coach Lay, seeing them grow. You know, and he's an educator, so, you know, and Coop, same thing. It, uh, you know, seeing kids grow. That's awesome. So next two questions, what do you miss the most? And what do you have more time for now that you're, that you're happier spending that time doing, that, that free time? Yeah, well, somehow for since 2008, I've really done kind of two careers at the same time. Uh, teachers, number one, and then running websites. So it's been a challenge. Uh, I, the only reason why I got through is my wife, who I met in 2000, at the end of 2007, Kristen. Uh, I, I'd never be able to have done this without her. And if she's going to be listening to this, uh, I told her, you'll have to listen. You know, there's, <laughs> That's uh, great. It never would have happened without her. So everyone understand that, <laughs> first of all. Uh, but... Uh, the, the kids, I don't think I miss it because it, it's kind of in me and all the yeah. time I spend with them. I'm not going to forget that. And I, I have to stay connected with so many of them as they go with so much technology now, too. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'll stay in touch with them, but uh, I think the time with them is in, in, in my head and in my heart. So it's. It's not going to go away. And I'm involved in a lot of other things now. I'm trying to write children's books. Wow. 
and uh, doing a little adjunct work at Temple University. So I'm still involved and uh, spent a little more time on the websites. I don't know how many years I'll do it. I'm committed to definitely next year and probably more than that. But who knows? We'll see what happens. But I'm not allowed about to stop stop doing this. So <laughs> that's great. Um, before we get more into the website and kind of the business and strategies, some of that stuff, the reporting career, you mentioned you left, you know, kind of the newspaper world in 1992, but you kept going, obviously. So what were some of the next steps and different experiences or roles that you had? Yeah, this is an interesting story. And Coach Leahy's going to love this one. And I graduated Westchester in 94 and got hired at the Inquirer. They used to have the neighbor section. Anyone that's been around can remember. It was a big deal. It covered every single football game in the five-county area, uh, even in a lot of them in northeast Philadelphia because there was a neighbors in northeast Philly. So there was great coverage at the Inquirer, and I got hired in 95 and also worked at what's called the Scholastic Score Service where we collected all the scores um, in an office right near here and also downtown. Uh, for So I worked with them till 2008. But in 2007, I remember, so I had, had been coaching and I had covered a lot of lacrosse and I worked for an online paper. They sent me to the EPLCA. EP, back then it was EPLCA championship game, which happened to be LaSalle against Downingtown East. At Widener University, Coach Leahy's team. Well, I'll leave out who won. Unfortunately, <laughs> we can move on from this whole topic. <laughs> Next question, please, Coach. So, <laughs> Downingtown, Coach Slate uh, did a great job, and Downingtown beat LaSalle for the championship. I even remember interviewing you all the way back then. So, I go to the Inquirer after the game. Downingtown East is playing in the state final now at Marple Newtown against Mannheim. You want me to cover it? And they go, no, we just wanted you to cover this one. No one really cares about lacrosse. That's what they said. Hmm. I'm not kidding you. That's when Philly lacrosse came. Okay. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because I had seen... That's the moment, right? I had seen this growth of lacrosse. Because really, in about 2000, that's when all the Montgomery County teams got school. Uh, schools got teams. And all uh, Lehigh Valley. All this, uh, the growth went crazy around that time and a lot of my uh, people that I knew that I'd covered uh, uh, went to into lacrosse and they said and I said you know what I should just start my own website and they're like do it it'll it's a guarantee it'll work so a friend of mine uh, taught me how to start a website you know I got the domain yeah. And at the end of that year, off, you were. You know, off I was. So was the main goal to spread the news of all the great games being played that the newspaper was missing? Or was it to be profitable? Or is there something I'm missing here? Uh, it hasn't been that profitable. So it, it definitely wasn't the guy. I guess because I had, uh, I, I wanted to see what I could do, what I could accomplish. And also, I love the sports. It was kind of just combining my passions. I still loved writing, and I love sports journalism. And I didn't like where newspapers were. Like, I didn't think they knew what they were doing very well. So I'm like, oh, good. I'll see if I'm if I know what I'm doing. And I still don't know if I know what I'm doing, but it has survived. As so, things got started, yeah. You know, what 
what was the feedback that you got and what was the content you put out that was popular or helpful or that you got feedback about? Oh, this is another great. The first game I covered was LaSalle at Haverford School. Haverford School won the game. I remember interviewing Dan Wigreiser, uh, Coach Leahy, Coach Nostrant. Wait a minute. You might have won that game. What year was it? I'll tell you. 2008. So 2008. I think Haverford. You won that game. You won that game. They win the next year. Yeah. Or- you did win that game. I, I got a bunch of cards, put them on people's cars to see if I could sell an ad. Sure. And it was Dan Wigreiser's dad, that uh, Wiggy, we called him, that uh, contacted me and said, I'll take out an ad. He's an attorney. And um, he said, this is unbelievable to actually have a website covering lac- just Philly lacrosse. <laughs> so I, I, cool. a couple other people contacted me and said, We'll, we'll do anything to help you if you have a site that covers Philly lacrosse. So he's kind of, the feedback was great immediately, actually. You know what? I interviewed Nico. Mm-hmm. He had a big game, Nico Amato. I still contact him a lot. That's awesome, yeah. I saw him coaching for ANC last spring. He had a protractor looking at the crease uh, <laughs> and, and where I put the goal. I'm like, hey, Nico. <laughs> but uh, he's a character. So when you look back over all these years, do you have some highlight games that you were like, I was privileged to be there. That was unbelievable. Like some favorite moments, some favorite games. And I was thinking about it. For Philly lacrosse, the best game was that Matt Rambo did not get picked to be on the U19 team. Not one Philly guy got picked on the team. This is what, 2012 or 2013. And they, they made an exhibition game with – the top Philly players against the U19 USA team, or it might have been U18 back then, and they played it at Radnor, and and Philly beat them. And Rambo had the winning goal. (laughs) And everybody was like, see, how could you not have one Philly guy on the team, especially Rambo? You know, and Matt Rambo ends up being, you know, one of the best players in the world. Uh, so that was one memorable game. That was at Radnor. That was so exciting. That was in overtime. Philly won that game, and people went crazy, and it was very crowded. That was unbelievable. Um, oh, Haverford beating Culver to finish undefeated in 2015 after they had beaten Hun at the uh, NXT challenge. You know, challenge down at. Uh, well, Soccer back, Stadium. Back yeah. then, it was called. What was it called then? At Union, at PPL the, then. PPL Park. And they had to come back and play one more game, and they were losing the Culver by like four goals. And it was like, if they lose this game, they're not even, well, national champions, if that's what we were calling them. It, it like would ruin the whole year. And they ended up winning the game and finishing 26-0. and 0. Yeah. So that was very memorable. That was a great game. So in the same spirit of great games, how about great players? You've seen so many. Do you have any highlights of watching some of these great Philly players play well, or interviewing them? I, I did think about this. I, just because I got to cover them from the very beginning of their career till even now, the two that came to mind were Matt Rambo and Grant Amen. I, I was writing about Grant Amen when he was 12 years old and – just did a story on him now. He's going to be an assistant coach at Haverford School. And Matt Rambo, I 
didn't get to meet him till he was a freshman, and they actually Abington played against LaSalle. And that was a great game. Yeah, an incredible that game that LaSalle almost uh, – Abington almost won very well, could have won when Matt was at, at Abington, and yet I just got to cover him in the PLL semifinals and with set, his buddy Ryan talk, with, talk with him for a while. Um, so to see them go from youth standouts to – you know, t- two of the top pro players in the world. Um, those two come to mind. Um, but we also, I just because I was just at the Hall of Fame induction and to see Greg Gurenlian and Doc, uh, Brian Doherty, the greatest face-off guy of all time and probably the greatest goalie of all time from Philly. Um, and congrats to Greg, as everybody knows, has had a baby all over social media. Um, the beast uh, to see those guys and he got honored for the hall of fame docs already in, but there's two Philly guys. They're the best of all time. So, yeah. And I've gotten to write about them quite a bit over the years. And probably written about guys they've trained and changed their lives uh, and passed oh, yeah. it on with. And that's, yeah, they're, they, they're yeah. both avid coaches of coaches, of course. All right. A little fun here. Cause I've been sitting on this. Let's talk rankings. You would always <laughs> uh-huh. have your rankings each week, which were great. Right. And I know you're, studied all the teams how did you go about coming up with your rankings is it as simple as having a donut and a cup of coffee in the morning or <laughs> did, were you breaking down no, stats I, like how did you go about putting out such accurate to, standing it used to be you could go on lax power and then you could compare every R. single R. score so i could go on lax power and i say all right lasalle beat saint joe prep by two uh they beat they lost to haverford by three uh, they beat Malvern by one, so I'm gonna have to. Uh, so you could do that, and you could really figure it out on based on strength of schedule, win losses, and you know how what the most recent success is. Now you don't have that, so it's a lot harder. <laughs> it's very, but there, there's a couple new websites that are kind of mirroring what Lax Power did. So, you know, I have to get on whatever website I can district one has a good site that where I can see all the district one scores and you can start comparing, but it's, it's harder now, you know, well, I just had, uh, I'll just say Rob, Rob Forster just told me the other day, you need to have a coach from each league on a committee to make your rankings so that you don't do it yourself. So I'm like, I guess the new LaSalle coaches are not happy with where I put him in the rank now. He's, he's okay with that. But, um, you know, so I may do that. But uh, it's, it's, you know, I stress over it, believe you. Did you get heat? Once in a while? Uh, uh, yeah, I get it all the time. Are you <laughs> kidding me? If people email or go on Twitter or someone will call me up. How the – we just beat that team and you put them ahead of us? Uh, that, oh, that, be fun. Oh, that, that, that happened. Thank you for reading. Oh, boy, yeah. Billy McKinney, man, he gave it to me this year. <laughs> so do you remember my big complaint? It wasn't a big complaint because we got along so well, but mine was not all wins and losses are equal. Oh, yeah, Those yeah. at the end of the year are far more significant. Yeah, That's yeah. who you're becoming as you head into the playoffs. So you might sure. get beat or beat someone early. And for me, that's March, right? We're just trying to figure out who we are. We got lucky that day or, you know, we didn't have a great day. But by May, if you're losing to people, you ought to pay for that in the rankings. And that was my point to you. Like, there's some teams getting beat now. and They should be dropping fast, Chris. And the truth is, you're doing the best you can. And I'm in coach zone, being yeah. a jerk, calling you on the phone. So. <laughs>
Chris, I'm curious, what, what's your take on club versus high school and any insight just on what you've seen over the last 10, 15, 20 years? I kind of always tell people it used to just be the Dukes. Yeah, yeah, that when I started. And it's clearly not just the Dukes anymore. It, that was almost the only club team, and there were, there were, there were others um, that had started a couple years before in the early 2000s as well. But, no, I mean, club lacrosse has its – great purpose it helps kids get exposure it it raises a level in many ways because now these kids get to be on practically all-star teams and see the competition from out of philadelphia all over um and uh, you know there's no negatives in club of course when the, the parents want their kid to get more exposure so it's not the team game you have in high school, but we have great, great club programs in this, in this region. I mean, fantastic with great coaches. So I, I think the club programs are great. And, uh, but you know, the high school program is still, um, the staple, you know, there's no doubt about that. We have great, great high school programs and phenomenal coaches. Checkers versus chess. Yeah. As, as yeah. Bill always but says. there's a lot of these Coaches are also coaching in club too, so people are so devoted. There's yeah. no way club that you could a... say you know the club scene is no good. I mean, it's competitive in a different way, but there's great coaches in the clubs too. So I, I, I see po- you know great positives in both. So you've been um, influential for so many of us. Who's influenced you when you look at Philadelphia lacrosse? Who do you think has been influential? Not maybe not just for you, but also for Philadelphia. Actually, I, the, the, the coaches, um, you know, and I, I have to talk a lot about the girls' side, too, because we're not getting questions there. But, you know, I, since I coach girls and I started covering girls more, much more when I was younger. But to me, you know, the other day I was hanging out with Kim Jackson and Phyllis Kilgore. Kim Jackson played on the Delaware team that won that 1983 championship over Temple. And I, you know, covered her as a coach at Henderson, Phyllis Kilgore, one of the greatest high school coaches of all time at Radnor. These folks, they, uh, when I first started, you know, Coach Leahy, uh, you know, LaSalle had a great team that year. Um, Tom Slade, all these other people. When I first started, all these great coaches, um, Coach Bates, even back then when he was at Drexel, these great coaches, and Coach Nostrand, McAvoy, they, to me, they've had the most impact because they've done such an incredible job of building Philly lacrosse, but they helped teach me about the history and about where we've come and where we're going. So I, I think it's these dedicated, incredible, long-time coaches like yourself that have impacted me the most. You know, And they're the ones also that have pushed so many of these community service activities and, and preaching to the kids it. to become good citizens. Um, so, you know, E.B. Helmet, Dukes Lacrosse, community service is gigantic there, and he's been coaching for... Yeah, he and know, Jason, how many kids do you think oh, they've Jack, coached Jack, over the Jason, last you know, Jason got honored. I, I, the reaction from Jason getting this, he got the, um, the first Peter Sampson Award at the Hall of Fame on on in social media, I never had I never saw so so much positive reaction. Um, he means so much to the lacrosse community. Just a fantastic man and, and coach. 
So these are the people that have impacted me the most. Yeah, not to slight the women, which you did point out, when I met those um, Hall of Fame inductions, when the women go in, they go in as contributor, coach, referee. You know, the men go in as a great player or a great coach. But I think every woman went in contributing in, like in five categories. It's almost if when their playing career was over, they then went into coaching. When their coaching career was over, they went into refereeing. And I was like, wow, how come us guys don't have that kind of list when, yeah. when you look at that? The, the people got to understand the women's side of lacrosse in Philly, the history is is I don't say richer than the men. It's it's incredible because we were the hotbed in the seventies and sixties, seventies, eighties. In the eighties, the best or in the sixties and seventies, the best programs were Sinus and Westchester. They were the best women's programs. All the great players, Cindy Timchell, the greatest coach of all time, women's coach. There's no denying that. Um, why is it that every year I write a story on 23 or 24 <laughs> Philly women that are D1 coaches because um, Chris Saylor and all, they're all from Philly. I, you know, Tina Sloan Green, Girls High, and then Temple. Um, she went to Westchester. Or Sinus produced so many Hall of Famers. Beaver College now, Arcadia. If you go back in the history, that's where lacrosse, the, the hotbed was Philadelphia for women's lacrosse, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's still fantastic. But the women's history is incredible. I mean, everybody played lacrosse uh, in the 70s and 80s, all the high schools. So they went on and they coached, and then their uh, protégés came up and coached. So the history for women's lacrosse is it was phenomenal. I was incredibly lucky. My next door neighbor, when I moved to Bluebell, happened to be a woman named Betty Schellenberger, who learned the sport of lacrosse in the 30s at Agnes Irwin School. She's generally considered one of the greatest female athletes this country's ever produced because she did squash, field hockey, lacrosse, swimming, everything. She just passed away a year and a half ago. Um, but she explained to me what lacrosse was in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and Philadelphia lacrosse, and how it all came really through Philly. It wasn't Long Island. Um, it wasn't even, it was barely, it was Philadelphia and Baltimore is where it all came from for women's lacrosse and the, and the game back then. So the history goes much deeper than eh, you or I. <laughs> and it's a great history for women's. Chris, one of the young men in our office wanted to ask, do you have any advice for anyone getting into lacrosse journalism or maybe journalism in general? Yeah, journal. I actually am lucky. I get to speak at a class every year at Arcadia University Journalism. I, Monday is when I'm going to speak, and I, I, I will make it as optimistic as I can because journalism changes and has changed so much. When I was in newspapers in the 80s, everybody bought a newspaper and got their news from the newspaper. You know, now it's online or or, you know, cable news or whatnot. So newspaper business has kind of died. But journalism itself now is so much more social media, podcasting, um, really coming up with innovative ways. So anyone that's going into journalism now, you've got to have this completely open mind. You still have to be able to write and be fast, uh, but learning interviewing skills and being fair. I mean, I, uh, journalism now, there, there is no journalism out there. You know, every every bit of news you get now is propaganda. 
And if I've accomplished anything, hopefully people say I'm a fair reporter. That's the only thing I really want to be known for because uh, Journalism 101, I don't know if they have it anymore. I don't think <laughs> they do. But it's. I was told the first day at the University of Delaware, if you don't get both sides, you don't report it. Nowadays, of course, now it's my side is the only side and it's the right side. If you don't believe it, then you're this or you're that, whether you're on the right or the left or even in the middle. It's 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 changed a lot. But if you're reporting, you got to get both sides. You need to interview someone from each side. You need to, uh, you know, report on both sides of the offense and the defense. It's not just the offense. If you don't hit all sides of it, you're not doing your job. And if and there's so many ways to report now, you know, so, uh, you know, you have to have an open mind and you have to say, I'm going to keep learning. I don't know. I don't know at all because I don't know at all. Well said on so many levels. So let's bring this home with our, our favorite little round table here. You know how it works. I'm going to ask for homework for certain groups of our listeners and you're going to give it to me in 10 seconds and I'll walk you through. So you ready to roll? Okay. Okay. Here we go. What homework do you have for players who are listening? Oh, as mentioned, get involved in community service with your team and encourage your team to get involved. How about for parents who are listening? Um, allow your, your children to enjoy the game. And if you're helping point them to college, worry about the academics. Love it. And for coaches who are listening? Coaches that are listening – Report your stuff to Philly Lacrosse. <laughs> That's one thing, but um, you know, I I'd say the same thing is you know help help the kids get to college as lacrosse as an avenue, and um, but stress the academics. And then last, what are you reading or listening to these days that's been meaningful? What am I reading or listening to? Uh, YouTube. There's there's so much on YouTube. It's unbelievable. Um, whether it's instructional or history, that, that's I really love. Uh, I love to you know just watch lacrosse games from a long time ago because just to see the uniforms, see the way they play, especially anyone that's into the girls' sport. We didn't have boundaries when when I we I never we didn't you had plastic sticks. We had wooden sticks when I started coaching. And it was actually great. It was easier to check with a wooden stick. And of course, it was harder to catch it. But they didn't have boundaries back then. They didn't all congregate in one area. Um, you know, the ball would go in the woods. So watch YouTube. Yeah, well done. Yeah, Chris, uh, we both Bill and I have loved this chance to talk with you. Uh, you're pretty much a walking lax encyclopedia. <laughs> uh, we love that you're full of passion for our favorite sport and appreciate all of your hard work and time spent promoting the game. I want to thank you again for coming in tonight. Uh, for Chris Goldberg, our producer Justin, Bill Leahy, uh, this is Coop. We're signing off from Next World Headquarters in Conshohocken, PA, and we thank you for listening. Thank you. Cluck, cluck. Go Blue Hens. <laughs> All right. All right. Survive. Awesome. <laughs> Good, bud. Yeah. All right. Do you like it? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun.